As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of the 59th Minute FPL Podcast which is brought to you by The Athletic. I'm Mark McGettigan. You can find me on Twitter at FPLGeneral. Game week 6 is done and dusted, and it was a painful one for myself and many others, with many of the popular picks letting us down. The Salah captaincy blank in particular was a tough one to take, having a goal ruled out and then hitting the post. Hattrick Bamford was the star of the game week on Friday night, which burst the Aston Villa bubble. Mid-priced forwards Danny Ings and Raul Jimenez continue to produce the goods, while the likes of Timo Werner and Dominic Calvert-Lewin had a quiet weekend. There's plenty to get stuck into for this week's podcast. There's Europa League and Champions League again this week and it's also another Friday deadline in FPL. So be patient with your transfers if you can and don't miss that early deadline on Friday. Game Week 7 kicks off with Wolves versus Crystal Palace on Friday night. If you're not yet an Athletic subscriber, the £1 a month sign-up offer is still available. Take advantage of it while you can. In doing so, you'll be able to listen to ad-free versions of this podcast and all the other excellent Athletic podcasts in the collection. The link for that offer is theathletic.com forward slash FPL pod. We have a new member to the 59th Minute Club. Welcome Dennis Pratt from Leicester got himself a one-pointer and a dreaded substitution in Game Week 6. Quite a few notable shout-outs as well this week. Adam Lalana at Brighton just about made it to 60 minutes to get himself a clean sheet point before Brighton conceded. So Lalana got a nice three-pointer there rather than a one-pointer. Manchester United and Everton both made double 57th minute substitution. So one Mata and Dan James, one point each, as did Ducouré and Sigurdsson at Everton. Lucas Moura at Spurs, also pretty close. Moura got a 56th minute appearance, and that goes with his 60 minute appearance in game week two. So Lucas Moura is dicing with death, and we could see him join the club very soon. Final Shout out this week goes to just a notable mention for Rian Brewster, our 4.5 million forward that we're all relying on to, to have a big season. 
Disappointing, came off after 53 minutes for another one-pointer. So, welcome to the club, Dennis Pratt. As always in Game Week 7, keep an eye on those clocks for those substitutions and send me a tweet on Twitter. I'm going to try and keep this Game Week 6 review as short as possible this week because I don't want to dwell on a terrible Game Week. I want to look forward rather than back. I used one free transfer in the end. I got rid of my 4.4 million forward Davis and replaced him with his Aston Villa teammate Ollie Watkins. That didn't work out. Obviously Watkins blanked. Aston Villa didn't score. And it was frustrating because on Friday I was considering three options. I was going to go for Watkins, Antonio or Che Adams. And of course the one I went with out of the three decided to blank while the others racked in the point. So that was frustrating, but Watkins hopefully will do the business in game week seven. That move seen me move to a 3-4-3 formation. I had been on 4-4-2 for the first five game weeks. I'm now in a 3-4-3 formation, and I like that structure going forward, even if I don't like one or two of the players that are in that structure. A total points tally of 39 points which was below the average of 48 my total points for the season now is 372 my overall rank went from 172k and it almost doubled to it actually more than doubled to 356k so a disappointing game week but overall overall not too bothered because i think it was a game week where a lot of managers struggled a lot of very good managers had bad game weeks as well so it was probably one of those game weeks where it was a good game week to have a bad game week. You know, you're not seeing people, at least you're not seeing too many people score 80, 90, 100 points this week. So the damage was, wasn't was too bad. The good and the bad, there's not much good this week. Son got an 11-pointer to make that points tally look a lot healthier than it was going into the Monday night. Walker Peters got a five-pointer and it was good to see that Kane didn't blank. So it was just five points. But five points is a lot better than two points. The bad, it's a long list of players this week. Captaincy blank from Salah, just four points. James Rodriguez, was good to see him make a very quick recovery, but a disappointing two-pointer. Everton were very disappointing in that Southampton game. Podence is becoming the most frustrating player to own of all time. He's got just three points this week again. Calvert-Lewin, one. Watkins, two. Double Liverpool defence, four points. What a disaster that has been over the course of the season in terms of clean sheets, at least. And Ramsdale as well. I considered taking a minus four, as mentioned on last week's episode. I was going to do Ramsdale to Martinez minus four, and I'm glad I didn't do it because obviously Aston Villa didn't keep a clean sheet. Just to rub salt in the wound as well, James Justin was sitting on my bench as my first sub with a nice six-pointer which would have come in very handy this week. Game week 7 can't come around quick enough, so we can hopefully bounce back. A watch list update now, ahead of game week 7. So which players have I added this week? First of all, two players that I've probably been ignoring, and I think a lot of people probably have been doing the same this season. Wilfred Zaha at Crystal Palace, 7.3 million and Patrick Bamford at Leeds, 5.9 million. It's got to the point now where I can no longer ignore these players. They're just scoring too many points. So both of them have been added to the watch list this week. I think it's very important in FPL not to be stubborn. And I'm not going to be stubborn with these two guys. I will be considering both of them with my 
transfers over the coming weeks because like I say sometimes you've got to put your feelings aside and just focus on the guys who are delivering the FPL points no matter how you feel about them or the team that they are playing for. Saha has got five and six this season and he's got very good fixtures. Looking at some of the numbers on Fantasy Football Hub this morning, Zaha had four shots in the box against Fulham, so very good numbers. Now it was Fulham, so how much do we read into those numbers? And will we see Zaha go quiet again now? But like I said, the fixtures still are very good for the next couple of weeks, so I think Zaha is an absolutely fine purchase now. Bamford has scored six goals in his opening six games. That is excellent for a £6 million forward. He's down to 5.9 now. 90 minutes in the last four games for Bamford, which is a positive as well. Game week one and game week two, he came off early, but he has completed 90 minutes in the last four. Big numbers for Bamford on Friday night. Nine shots against Aston Villa, seven of them from inside the box. So he's passing the eye test and he's got the numbers as well. Two of those goals in particular against Aston Villa were very, very impressive. A couple of other players added Phil Foden at Manchester City. He's 6.6 million. He was impressive coming off the bench, scored a great goal. And I think he's less likely to be rotated now for the next game or two with Aguero injured again and Jesus not yet ready to return. So I like Foden at 6.6. Manchester City have amazing fixtures from game week 10 to 15. So even though they haven't been great this season, City... I think we've all got to be thinking about them for that run of games from game week 10 to game week 15. Kevin De Bruyne has also been added to the watch list now that he's fit again. He's at 11.5 million, so he is in my thoughts as well. Probably not this week or next week, but more so for that run from game week 10 onwards. A couple of Southampton guys added to the watch list as well. Stuart Armstrong at 5.5 million. And that guy, Che Adams, who I was considering last week at 5.8. Really impressed with both of those at the weekend. And every time I watch Stuart Armstrong, I think he looks a really good player and a really good fantasy asset as well at just 5.5 million. I think he will score goals this season. Southampton were great against Everton. And they've got Aston Villa and Newcastle in the next two. So it seems like a good time to buy a Southampton player. Vladimir Kufal, the new West Ham right wing back, he's just 4.5 million. He's got back to back assists. He does like a yellow card, which is a slight concern, but overall, I've been very impressed with him. The new sign in. Uh, like Manchester City, West Ham have got some good fixtures coming up. They've got a tough one against Liverpool this weekend. But then they've got nice fixtures, game week 8, 9 and 10. So there's a question about West Ham defenders, which I'll come back to. But Kufal has been added to the watch list. Final player added for this week is Max Kilman at Wolves. He's finally on the watch list after getting another start. 4.1 million, 90 minutes in the last three games. I think it was a positive sign to see Roman Saiz get taken off. Uh, you know, when Marcel came on, it could have easily been Kilman would have went off, Saiz would have went back to left centre-back. But I think that just shows what Nuno thinks of Kilman's performances so far this season, that he left him on for the 90 minutes. He's been very impressive, very hard for Nuno to drop him, as I've mentioned a few times. So Kilman is on my watch list now. Players removed this week. I removed quite a lot of players this week. I actually had a bit of a clear-out from my watch list. But some of the main ones here 
Havertz and Werner are gone from the watch list again. I think I just added them back onto it last week. I just don't trust the Chelsea attack yet. I didn't like that they were both taken off after about 70 minutes as well in that Manchester United game. I just think at the moment there's better options for cheaper prices in other teams. Regulon, the Spurs left back, is gone from the watch list as well because... Ben Davis started against Burnley, so I don't want a defender who is a rotation risk. Trossard at Brighton is gone as well because he's just not doing enough this season. He always has good underlying numbers, but he's just not converting it into FPL points. Brighton still struggling to score goals, so that's another reason why Trossard is not in my thoughts at the moment. And Harvey Barnes as well is gone from the watch list. He's, he's blanked five times in six appearances this season, Harvey Barnes. So I think it was game week two goal and an assist is actually the only game week where he's got FPL points this season. So like Trossard, Barnes is just not doing enough at the moment. So that's the watch list wrapped up ahead of game week seven. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Next up, it is Twitter questions. Lots of questions after a difficult game week for a lot of people. I think it was over 150 replies. That may be a new record on Twitter this week. I've picked out 10 of the best ones as usual, which will cover the main talking points ahead of the next game week. First one comes in from John. John is a size owner. Should... Should I be happy with the clean sheet points on Sunday or concerned about him losing his place or both? I think both. Obviously, he should be very happy with those clean sheet points. It was one of those fantasy moments where I think you'll always remember it. Saiz goes off and then Wolves concede. And by conceding, it moved Saiz into the bonus points as well. So well done if you had him. Would I be concerned about him losing his place? Probably yes. I think with that substitution and Kilman staying on, It's one of those where I don't think you need to deal with it until it becomes a problem. It's not a problem yet. You know, he started in game week six. Keep him. If he starts in game week seven, great. Don't, I wouldn't sell Saiz. I think he might even be the highest scoring defender this season. So no reason to sell him until you see his name on the bench. You know, as long as he's in the starting 11, just hold on to him. It's not an issue to deal with just yet. Next question came in from Luke Street. Luke was planning on keeping Alexander-Arnold for the season. Is it too early to lose faith in him? Yeah, so Alexander-Arnold is... It's a a concern. I've got him as well as Robertson. I was also planning to keep Trent for the season. Is it too early to lose faith? I don't think so. We've had six game weeks now. You know, that's a good amount of information. And at the moment, all the signs are pointing towards Trent not being worth his price tag this season. So I, I don't think it's too early. Personally, I'm pro- he's probably going to survive in my team for one more week just because I want to bank a transfer this week. And on paper, Liverpool at home to West Ham, it's it's a good fixture on paper. Do I expect us? Do I expect West Ham to score? Probably. If Antonio is fit, I wouldn't be surprised to see him on the score sheet again. So. I'm not overly optimistic for the fixture this weekend, but I can see myself losing him in game week eight. Question from Dave Cockine. Does the increase in unpredictability in this season tempt you to be more adventurous in your approach 
or or keep you more focused on your more conservative plan. So yes, it's been very unpredictable this season, but I do think we've seen signs in game week six of it returning to a bit more of a normality. Just go back to game week six and look at the results of the games and there's not too many surprises in there. And I think the scores are lower as well. You know, there's there's more clean sheets in there than there has been over the last few weeks as well. So in terms of the unpredictability, that's not going to change how I play the game this season. I'm going to stick to my tried and trusted patient approach, which has seen a decent start to the season for me. It hasn't, you know, I'm I'm about three, between three and 400k. I mean, it's not fantastic, but I think it's a pretty good position to be in after just six game weeks with a wild card still available as well. So I'm going to stick to my conservative plan of not taking too many point hits and, you know, making those late transfers on a Friday night as well. Talking about hits as well, interestingly, I've already taken two hits this season. You know, I only usually take about four or five over the course of a whole season. So I've probably been a, been a bit more adventurous there than I have been in previous seasons. I haven't banked a transfer yet either. I'm, I'm determined to do so this week. There is a couple of transfers I'm tempted to make, but I do like to save a transfer as often as possible and then have the flexibility of those two frees the week after. And I haven't done it yet this season. I think that goes to show you that it has been unpredictable and we kind of have been forced into making more transfers maybe than we usually would. Next one came in from Ryo Seba. Is it too late to recruit Kane? It's I, I, I say this every week. I always get a similar question about different players each week. And my answer is always the same. It's never too late to get a very good FPL asset. If you don't have Harry Kane yet, by all means get him this week. He's got two very good fixtures. You've got Brighton at home and West Brom away next. You've probably got two captaincies out of him there as well if you, if you fancy him for those two fixtures. So it's not too late to get Kane. I would... Personally, if I didn't have him, I'd be going out to buy him this week. Next one came in from Sean Henderson. Is Dominic Calvert-Lewin a long-term value asset? Yeah, I think a lot of people will be asking themselves this because I think the Everton performance against Southampton was very worrying. They're going to be without Lucas Dean now for three games. Seamus Coleman's injured, Richarlison's still suspended, and there's some injury doubts over Rodriguez again now after he was hobbling around at the end of that game. I've got Calvert-Lewin. I've got absolutely no thoughts to sell him. You know, he's. I think he returned in the first five games and game week six was the first time that he didn't. So if anyone deserves a bit of patience, it's Calvert-Lewin. But yes, I will be watching Everton very closely because we're very poor against Southampton. But the good thing is they've got Newcastle next. So it's an ideal fixture to bounce back in. And then they've also got a nice run from game week nine to game week 11. So for me, Calvert-Lewin is still a long-term hold. But I will monitor Everton closely. Calvert-Lewin's not really the issue. It's more the team. You know, if, if they don't get the service to him, that will become an issue. But for the moment, for me, Calvert-Lewin is a long-term value pick. Question from M. Rye. Despite starting regularly and playing quite well by all accounts, Potence continues to frustrate FPL-wise. But with Crystal Palace, Leicester and Southampton in the next three, is it worth sticking for now? Or are there others in his price bracket you would consider moving him on to? I'm another very frustrated opponent's owner. You're just waiting for that 60-70 minute substitution. Uh, Very, very frustrating player to own. Do I think selling him is fine? Yes, I do. Because I want to bank a transfer this week, he's probably going to survive for me just for one more week. But he's definitely going to be sold then in game week 8. The 
players in the price same price bracket that I like. I, I still like Ross Barkley. You know, he's cost slightly extra than opponents. I, I still like Suchek as well, even though he hasn't scored yet. West Ham have very good fixtures from game week 8 onwards, so I like the downgrade from Podens to Suchek to free up a little bit of cash. Jorginho as well, you know, he keeps starting games and he's on penalty, so I think he has to be considered there as well. Would I rather own Podens or Jorginho at the moment? I think it's an easy one. I think I would rather own Jorginho because he's more likely to get points and he's going to get 90 minutes. And Stuart Armstrong, who I added to the watch list as well, I think is... I, th- I like that switch from Podence to Armstrong ahead of Southampton's next two fixtures. So yeah, Podence is going to probably survive for one more week for me, but he is getting under my skin and he will be leaving my squad almost definitely in game week eight. Question from FPL Saron. From game week eight onwards, West Ham defenders seem like smart investment, but who to go for? Cresswell, Masuaku and Kufal are all looking good. Yeah, there's lots of options here. Like I mentioned as well, as Saron did here, West Ham fixtures from game week 8 onwards are very nice. So Antonio's in my thoughts and I'm also considering their defenders as well. So Cresswell's 5 million. I think he's the pick of the bunch, but you do have to pay the extra 0.5 million, which I think could be worth it because he's taken a lot of set pieces and his deliveries this season have been on point. Masuaku and Kufal I would probably rate quite similarly although more recently Kufal like I mentioned has back-to-back assists so that probably swings it in his favour but I think both of them are very good options at 4.5. I'm going to throw another one in here as well Balbuena another person who goes by the name of the general he's 4.4 million you know he's a differential if you want to try something different. He's got a goal already this season and going back to last season and the season before he's He's got a knack of getting himself on the end of set pieces. He's quite good in the box when he goes up for corners and free kicks. So Balbuena, I think, shouldn't be ignored either at 4.4 million. But which one am I most likely to go for if I bring one in? I would probably say Kufal at 4.5. I like the saving on Cresswell, even though I think he's he's probably the best of the three. So yeah, 4.5 million defender. I think Kufal is a very good option. Question from Tom. Do you think there's a chance Zaha may remain on penalties when Milivojevic is on the pitch? Yeah, so I was watching match today at the weekend and I seen the Crystal Palace lineup and I seen that Milivojevic was in it. And my first thought was, I wonder will he take a penalty in this game if they get one? So my guess would be he would because Milivojevic has a very, very good record at taking penalty. So I would imagine next Crystal Palace penalty, Milivojevic would take it if he's on the pitch. Obviously, if Zaha takes it, it's a huge bonus for him for the rest of the season. But yeah, it's it's unclear, but my guess would be Milivojevic. Question from Ed Startup. Do we need Manchester City assets? It seems they are really struggling to click. Am I better off doubling up on attacking Liverpool players? So yeah, I don't have any Manchester City players at the moment. I don't feel an urgent need to bring them in. So that probably is your answer there. I don't think we need them at the moment. And I agree with Ed here. They, they, they're they not clicking. I watched the Man City-West Ham game back yesterday. In the first half, one of the notes I written down on my paper said, this does not look like Manchester City. They're just, they look bang average first half. They were a lot better second half. But they just don't look like the Man Cities of the last couple of seasons. So it, it is taking them a bit of time to get up to speed. I've no doubt they will get up to speed at some point. I think the striker issue is a problem for them and it's going to be a problem again for the next couple of weeks. 
So the sooner they can get Aguero or Jesus fully fit, I think it will make a big difference. KDB is back. That's going to make a big difference as well. He was heavily involved when he came off the bench at the weekend. So I think I'm happy enough to go without them. They've got Sheffield United away next, which is never easy. Then it's Liverpool and Tottenham. So a tricky enough fixture there for Man City. But then it's very nice. Game week 10 to 15. That is when we're going to see a lot of people buying Manchester City players. And they're in my thoughts already. I'm kind of planning ahead for that period. I probably want to have De Bruyne back in for that. And possibly Foden as well at just 6.6 million. So do we need them at the moment? No. Will we need them game week 10 to 15? Probably yes. Final question comes in from one of the greatest FPL managers of all time. James Eggersdorf. Longer term fixtures for Spurs turn in a few game weeks. Are Son and Kane essential fixture proof picks? Or do you think planning to switch to Man City assets, for example, to catch their favourable run is the way to go? Yeah, good question here. Quite similar as well to the question before. I think we're going to come to a crossroads in game week 10. uh, Possibly even game week 9. So Spurs have got very good fixtures for the next two games. And then things get tricky. A lot of people have at least one Spurs attacker, if not two. I've got Son and Kane, and my thinking at the moment is obviously keep those two guys for the next two fixtures and hopefully they do well, and then possibly lose one of them to fund a move for KDB. And then KDB KDB comes in as a captaincy option for that period of game week 10 to 15. Now, which one would I lose, Kane or Son? I don't know, probably until after the next two games, but... Kane is probably the easier one to lose in terms of freeing up the more cash for, for KDB. So I'd probably be happy enough to roll with just one Spurs player during the tougher fixtures while Man City have good fixtures. So yeah, that is my thinking at the moment. But I also don't mind the, the strategy of keeping Son and Kane because we've seen it against Burnley. It's often those the fixtures against the lesser sides where they're not as effective. You know, Son and Kane were pretty quiet last night, even though they got their attacking returns in the end. I almost fancy Kane and Son to do better when they do have tougher fixtures. When the other side comes out to play, Son and Kane can counter-attack. That's where we might see, you know, plenty of points. So I'm not definitely saying I'm going to lose one of them around game week 10, but I think there's a good chance that I will just play the fixtures and get in KDB. There was one thing I forgot to mention in Ed's question as well. Ed said, was he better off doubling up on attacking Liverpool players? So right now, would I rather have you know, Salah and Sterling, Salah and KDB, or Salah and Mane? I think the answer is Salah and Mane at the moment. Mane's on fire. He's a player I hate not having. So if I was going to go for another big midfielder right now, game week seven, I would probably double up on Salah and Mane rather than going for one Liverpool and one Man City asset. And then you could possibly move from a Salah or a Manny to a KDB, you know, easier in game week 10. So thanks as all, thanks to everyone who sent in the questions. You can do so each week on Twitter at FPL General. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. 
dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Game week seven, captaincy and transfers now. Who are the best captaincy options for this game week? I think it's similar to last week. I think it's the Liverpool guys or the Spurs guys. So Kane and Son are at home to Brighton, which I think is a very good fixture for attackers. Salah and Manny are at home to West Ham. So West Ham, you know, they frustrated Manchester City. I think West Ham have been pretty good defensively this season. I'm trying to keep it simple with captaincy. You know, go back to last week. I kept it simple between Kane and Salah. I went for Salah because I thought Sheffield United was a better fixture than Burnley. And I think it, I think that was the right decision. You know, Spurs scored once, Liverpool scored twice. Yes, Salah blanked, but I think that was the right call in terms of captaincy. This week, I think it's going to be a similar call for me. I think West Ham are better defensively than Brighton. So I'm going to go for a Spurs captain this week. So I'm, I'm quite undecided on Kane and Son, actually. Kane feels like the safe pick. But Son feels like the potentially more explosive pick. So that's something I'm going to weigh up for the rest of the week. It'll be Kane or Son most likely for me for captaincy this week against Brighton. There's a couple of other options. There's not that many actually this week. I do think I wouldn't look past Liverpool or Spurs for the captain's armband this week. Man City are away to Sheffield United. So if you have Sterling or KDB, you know, you've got to consider those guys as well. But the way City have been playing recently, I would rather captain a Liverpool or a Spurs player. Probably avoid Chelsea away to Burnley. You know, we've seen Burnley play very well against Spurs on Monday night to frustrate them. Manchester United play Arsenal, so I always tend to avoid captaincy in those kind of games as well. So yeah, I think it's a straight shootout again. Liverpool or Spurs for captaincy this week. Transfers. I want to bank a transfer. I keep saying that on this podcast because I want to drill it into my own head that that is what I want to do this week. I want to bank a transfer and then possibly make three transfers in game week eight for a minus four for a bit of a refresh in my squad. I think it's getting to the point now where I feel like I need a wee bit of a refresh in my squad. In game week eight, I would likely lose Alexander-Arnold to free up cash and also probably lose Podence as well. If I did make a transfer, if I did end up making a transfer this week, the most likely one would be Ramsdale out because he plays Man City, so it feels like a decent time to get him out. But like Potence, he's probably going to survive another week because I want that flexibility next week. Potence will survive one more week and then we'll go with Trent next week. If Watkins disappoints me again in game week 7, I like the idea of getting Antonio in for him in game week 8. So that could be my, you know, that's my early thoughts for, for, for next week. Get rid of Trent, Potence and Watkins if he disappoints me and, and get in Antonio plus two others as well. Um, obviously you need to see if Antonio is injury free. First of all, despite a bad game week 6, my team for game week 7 looks pretty good on paper. So if, if, if that's the same case for you, don't make transfers just because you've had a bad game week. If your team looks good for game week seven, do nothing like I'm hoping to do. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Please give it a retweet on Twitter if you enjoyed it and leave a review on whatever platform you are using to listen. Check out patreon.com forward slash FPL general if you'd like to support me as a full-time fantasy football manager and to get yourself some extra podcasts. Enjoy the rest of your week and good luck in game week seven. Let's hope it is a better one than the last one. 
I'll be back next Tuesday to preview game week eight.